0: In late 2017, early 2018, several of us here in the UK found ourselves transported to the fifth dimension in a very unexpected way. But this wasn't because the Twilight Zone returned to our television screens, though I wish it would, but because in an unexpected twist, the Twilight Zone debuted on a London stage and that show was in the Almeida Theatre in London which is a beautiful and quite intimate theatre where the show was a sellout. But this year, in 2019, The Twilight Zone is back in a bigger West End theatre, the Ambassador's Theatre. So this run begins on the 4th of March 2019 and you can buy tickets from several outlets, but the easiest way to find it online is to go to twilightzonetheplay.com and I'll give some more details at the end of the show. So, how did this happen? How did the Twilight Zone come to the stage in a country where it hasn't even been on television for decades? Well, to find out, I was lucky enough to get to speak with Ron Fogelman, the producer of the show, and the man responsible for its inception. And you'll hear that conversation in a moment, but one of the things I like about this chat is that when Ron talks about how he first got the idea to do it, it's a similar kind of scenario to when I decided to do this show. Because although we're not reminded of the Twilight Zone through reruns on television, for those of us who it did touch all those years ago when it was on the TV, it left its mark. And it planted a seed. And all it needed was a little reminder for that seed to grow. So now I'll let our guest tell that story. So sit back and take a listen to when I spoke to Twilight Zone on stage producer, Ron Fogelman. First of all, Ron, thanks so much for talking to me tonight. And... I'd really like to know maybe a little bit of a background on you and how that brought you into a position to put the Twilight Zone on stage here in England.
1: My background's been working in uh, film and, and TV and, and entertainment in general, really, uh, working mm-hmm. with uh, in, on both the commercial side of film and also creative. So uh, I've worked with companies such as Polygram and, um, and Universal Studios, uh, dealing with everything from rights, uh, co-production, licensing, uh, through to having my own um, agency business, which is consulted into film, TV and, and new media. But in parallel with that, I've also been very much involved in, in creative aspects of things. So I have a writing partnership with a writer called Kent Murray in Philadelphia and we've sold material to american tv Uh, previously i've written uh for shows not not as much as i'd love to but things like superman the animated series which has it Um, and um and really uh in terms of looking at how i came to actually venture into stage um my uh, i have a good friend called mark bentley who is uh, a very successful producer he and kenny wax are the producers behind the play that goes wrong for five years in in london and very successfully on broadway too in fact, it's it's just moving from a, a, a two-year run on Broadway to Off Broadway and and claim the the uh, claim the title of being the longest-running current play on Broadway. So, Mark Mark, um, uh, you know, was always fascinated in what I was doing on film and TV, and I was always fascinated in what he was doing in stage, and we shared a lot of of uh, information and brain picking, and i you know I was fascinated with stage and what it could do, and London's very lucky I mean London and Broadway are seen equally in the eyes of of the quality of theatre in the world but london mm. is is because of the the stakes <coughs> the costs of putting a production on a far less than than a Broadway It does leave room for perhaps more experimentation and being bold and pioneering sometimes um yeah. and and I think what you get from that is 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 just an amazing opportunity to try new things and do. Uh, do things that haven't been done before and it always felt to me that that genre uh, if you get it right on on the London stage you know there is a huge audience we are a genre loving nation Uh Uh, and you only have uh, to look at things like Women in Black which has been running for 30 years in the West End to see see what's out there so I was looking at that and thinking what would be great to 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 bring to the stage and how could you do something that that would be different and yet you know have integrity and around about the same time um i was i was sitting with my kids one of the most important things that we do as a family is that you know we think it's it's not so easy today we're bombarded with content and so really whatever you want to watch whenever you want to want to watch it you can and the uh-huh. danger with that is that is there's so much new wonderful content that an appreciation for the new generation coming through uh can get left behind and a lot of the great classics of, of film and tv kind of get crowded out from all the, the new things that are coming through and I yeah. think the shame of this is that for a new generation, if they're not given the chance to sort of appreciate everything from the works of Alfred Hitchcock to 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 David Lane to even Lauren Hardy, uh, those, those, those wonderful um, pieces of work kind of get left behind and that's a real danger. Uh-huh. So what we've done in our house is we've regularly had movie nights where we like to show the kids Anything from you know great movies, anything serious dramas, comedies, action films, you know, you name it, and and it goes true for TV as well. So we've done uh-huh. that regularly. It's always fascinating. Having having done all this, it was a, a rainy day, and I thought, ah, oh, that's Twilight Zone up on the shelf. I wonder what the kids will make of that. And what amazed me was the power of this now sixty-year-old storytelling. And the yeah. fact that there is an inherent prejudice that, you know, inherent, uh, that, that, you know a, a lot of people carry towards anything that's old, but increasingly so now, mm-hmm. or it's black and white. And that's just a shame, because at the end of the day, you've got some uh, uh, very poignant, powerful, entertaining storytelling there that, you know, you just have to, to try and to create the opportunities for a new generation to really enjoy. And yeah. what, when, I, when I put them on, obviously, I kind of served as a curator. I found that uh, those 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 initial prejudices were completely lost that they they responded to it immediately and and it didn't just finish with the enjoyment of of the episode that was on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it stayed with them. Um, it stayed with them, and there were lots of questions afterwards and then then it it was a wonderful way to sort of rediscover the show. of course I, I I've always loved it. um yeah, but but in that moment, it made me think this is so well written. I mean, i knew it I knew it anyway, but you you go back after a period and you go. This is really quite an incredible body of work, and, and with lots of people that I, I admire as writers in their own right, outside of of, of their connection with the Twilight Zone. So, uh-huh. has always been one of my favourite authors, and I've had the opportunity to sort of explore beyond just his work for the um, Twilight Zone, but the work of Charles Beaumont, which is genuinely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, so I became not just in love with the show, but also the writing behind it, uh, in love with the writers behind it, and. Uh, and explored, you know, all of their bodies of work, going back to the golden age of TV, as it's as it's called, and, and Rod Serling's um, groundbreaking work in live TV. And and in the process of all that, and thinking what to do on stage, it just it kind of just became obvious. It was that the, there's an opportunity here to to do something very special. We we were, the intent was never to to cash in on a brand. It was to bring this amazing storytelling uh, to life and to give a new generation a new way of experiencing it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah so
1: that's that's kind of the origin story of how this project came to be
0: what interests me about what you just said is um i, I think we must be a, of a similar age but here in england i remember staying up till you know the small hours to watch it because it, it was just that was when it was on and i don't think it's actually been on regular television in decades you know which is a real shame because no one ever discovers it by accident now were you ever concerned that maybe there just isn't an audience for the Twilight Zone anymore in England? That it just wasn't as as large in people's memories as it is in America or you know Canada, where it's still played?
1: Well, that, that's interesting, and and um, and actually became uh, part of the of the uh, of of the thought process for how we develop this show. Um, and, mm. and I think the answer is is that. Um, what we wanted to do was create a play, and a play isn't just about, you know, the one country it's performed in. It's, it's something that, that you develop and you hope will have a life and travel internationally. And naturally, yeah. the Twilight Zone is revered uh, in, in America. So w- when we did the negotiations with CBS, we have world rights um, structured within our agreement with them. And a lot of people have said to to, to me, you know, look, look, you know, the most obvious thing to do is why did not you go to America? Why didn't you start the play? Yeah. Um, where where it's it's beloved. And, you know, the fascinating thing here is, is that in the UK, um, in America, the, the, the Twilight Zone, I think, is treated almost like the Old Testament. It is it is. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's the seminal launch pad for so much uh, uh, influence to uh, culture, pop culture, uh, literature, film, TV. So many great people working today are clearly inspired and openly inspired by what that series did. And the list uh-huh. is, endless. it's Vince Gilligan for Breaking Bad, it's Matt Wiener for Mad Men, it's JJ Abrams, Steven Spielberg yeah. got his first job, certainly as we know. So in America, that it's accepted, um, and it's part of the growing up, it's part of tradition. You know, Sci-Fi Channel does its its annual uh, marathon. Um, yeah. And here, you're absolutely right. Um, the, the thing is that because in the early 60s, when it, well, 59, 64, when the first series I- emerged, we were only a two-channel nation we didn't even have bbc2 um mm-hmm. and because of a quirk of acquisitions you know shows like i love lucy and with bilko which is which is more more successful i think here and remembered with more fondness here another cbs show than in america but the uh-huh. twice i never really got picked up and it, i don't think it made its first appearance you know this i think there may have been a little a few episodes played regionally on itv because of some of the the things that I've come across, but really it didn't make its network appearance until uh, around about 1983. At that time, that you were probably first watching it as well. And in fact, the experience that I had uh, was similar to Neil Gaiman. Neil, Neil obviously, you know, is, is our, our probably Britain's leading fantasy um, yeah. genre author and has an amazing body of work on, on his own. And he he's written for us for our, our brochure a beautiful piece um, about his experience of. of Falling in love with Twilight Zone before he had the chance to watch it, which was exactly mine. It resonated so perfectly <laughs> with my own experience. of Of I remember, it, it, you know, getting an, a copy of starlock magazine. And yeah. In it, within the inserts within it, there was a, a green episode guide. At a time when episode guides weren't that uh, available, uh-huh. and I just just looking at the images, just looking at some of the stories, it, you know, it was oh my lord! I I have to see the show. How can I see the <laughs> show? And it was pre VHS. It was pre you know the ability to to, um, uh, to there was only three channels there were the you know the reruns weren't coming back as they did with channel with channel four um, birth and yeah. it was a case of going I, I have to see the show and and I think Neil in his article points out that I think that he you know he came across old paperback books adaptations from the sixties in in um, secondhand bookstores and that was his first exposure to the storytelling
0: yeah and yeah. when the
1: show did finally land. It was absolutely no disappointment. It's you know the storytelling was just as crisp as when it first aired in America. The the filmmaking behind it you know was 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 of a of a cinema quality and and each week it just offered a different slice of just amazing storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and, and I sh- and, and I think the fascinating thing about why launch it in the UK is that here because of that reason because of that that quirk of, of an acquisition policy in the 1960s, um, we we know it in a different way. Um, and I think that's the fascinating thing. We know it. Because of the theme tune, because we've absorbed that through pop culture, so even kids here know the theme tune and they know what it represents, but they have no idea why they're why they're quoting it. Adults too, Uh Um, and and yet, you know, in the news, in newspapers, in national news, when anything strange happens in the world, and let's face it, a lot of strange stuff is happening right now. So when it comes to to um, Brexit or. Donald Trump and I don't uh, I'm not taking any any valuation on politics here at all but the reality is is that the term gets quoted in national news it's an accepted part of our vocabulary and yet we don't know where all of this comes from and I think that spelled to me an interesting opportunity because what we wanted to do was to create a play that had respected obviously the original writing but had genuine purpose for Uh the stage and and stood on its own legs um, mm-hmm. So so in, in starting it here, yes, there are people that, that a love genre and love that kind of storytelling and are attracted to it. But when we birthed the play at the Almeida, um, which was thankfully a, a set out run, it's a, it's a lovely theatre, prestigious theatre. Yeah. Uh, voted uh, theatre last year by stage. Um, uh, there was an opportunity to allow it to be its own thing uh-huh. to, to, to uh, and that was exciting in its own right. So rather than sort of rush and go, ta-da, we've got this amazing play because it's based on amazing work. It was, no, let's, let's find the, the perfect venue, the perfect part was to allow this show to sort of birth itself and find an audience that's gonna appreciate it in its own right. And fingers crossed the approach is something that people will like and, and if, you, if you know the material you'll feel that we've re- respected it and actually it's an, an interesting worthwhile exercise of bringing it live to, to an audience. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know the storytelling you're going to come in and you go well I don't know anything about this but I, I need to go back to the original show because this has been great and I, I'm inspired to see how the original shows worked and and i very much think we 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 you know we started that journey at the amada and obviously we're going into the west end um next month in in march uh, previous fourth yeah. um it was to, to to do that and to 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 play in front of audience that knew the the show didn't know the show we had english people we had lots of american people who we weren't you know really marketing to but they naturally found the show because the attraction to the storytelling Mm-hmm. And it was just great to see the, the the every show sold out. It was a it was a two month run, which is the, the usual for the Almeida. Yeah, um, and to see how audiences responded to it, and 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 the, the the one of the key things for us is that the experience of the audience was just as important as the
0: play. I guess um, one of the big decisions you probably had early on was actually how to present it on stage, because you know you could have just said, right, well, we're going to do four stories and we're going to present them one after another but the show itself is this very unique interwoven thing where the the stories sort of come and go and it's uh, beautifully crafted on stage could you tell us a bit about that process and and how it came to be you know, that instead of just like, okay, well, we're going to do four episodes and we're going to put them on stage.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words about it. It's, um yes, we didn't want to create a DVD box set. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in a way, if you want a binge-watching experience, um, uh, you know, what I would say is uh, that's great, uh, but, you know, that would be quite a vanilla approach to bring <clears throat> into the episodes to the stage. What we, as we said, we set out to do something that would very much respect the original writing, but also create mm-hmm. uh, an experience... Um, that, that had purpose for the theatre. And and you've got to watch yourself. There's a huge responsibility in making sure that that original work is 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 treated in exactly the right way and, and something that we're all sensitive to. And the journey actually started where we're very lucky to have world-class uh, creative team behind the, the show. Yeah. Um, Anne Washburn is the playwright and um, and last year her play Mr Burns which also ran at the Al- Almeida um, was voted by Ben Brantley who's the critic for the New York Times as the fourth greatest American player of the last 25 years so that's the kind of calibre of writing we were able to attract because of of, of, of the original material yeah. and Richard, Richard Jones our director is British um, and um, a seven times Olivia winner and is known for his amazing work in theatre uh, as much as he's known for uh, his body of work in opera but the, the idea when we we, we talked to the Almeida about working together to, to debut the show and we were thinking who would be a good match to 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 create something special. That's really what we wanted to do. And 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 Anne's name came up uh, because Mr Burns had played there and she was uh, obviously such an amazing talent in her own right. Richard's name came up and we thought, well, look, we don't know if this is going to work. You know, you've got to you've got to start somewhere to see what happens. So the uh-huh. first creative step we took was that we flew Richard to New York to actually sit in the offices of CBS. Um, oh, wow. And for two weeks, Richard and Anne, which are the, you know, these two uh, amazing minds that are so talented uh, uh-huh. to simply sit and watch in New York, uh, the Twilight Zone, um, which of course, yeah, I think you and I would go, this is fantastic. <laughs> what a great opportunity, but they did it with a view to thinking, well, how will we approach this? Yeah. I, I'd sort of, Um, thought of some of the episodes that you know there's 156 episodes and some of them seem to have resonance and suitability for the stage and some completely not Uh, and I'd sort of sampled a few episodes and circulated them to give a sense of where I thought we could go and what sort of what sort of storytelling could work within an evening but you know I stood back and I I was more interested to see how they worked together what they what they cooked up with in the first two weeks of thinking what kind of a show could this be
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: when they came back and made the selections you know it's it's, it it was fascinating to see that after that time of sitting together that the excitement for the project just grew and grew Uh and some very intelligent um you know selections and and what I felt was really good was that you were going to get every element of what the Twilight Zone could be represented within the show that we were starting to think about how, how we can make it work. Yeah. So what we hope that you, you will get from the evening is the sense of the thought-provoking, a sense of the comedic, because it had its own special brand of humour. Um, uh-huh. some, sometimes the, the downright scary. Um, and it was very clear that, that we were thinking along the same lines as to what the show would be. And then we started a, a two-year process of, longer in fact, but the, the end of October, that's when they went to New York. And then it, it took a couple of years before we really, uh, through development of, of the script and experimentation, we did rehearsed readings in London, which Anne came over for. We then did a two-week workshop. And and it, that's exciting and crazy. And, you know, at the end of that two weeks, you've got a cast and they present to an audience. We, we put together an audience of of, of the great and good, just to see how an audience would respond to a very basic sort of uh, of selection of material. Yeah, and it was very clear that we had something. There was something about this writing that really had purpose for the stage. And if you go back to to really the origins of 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 how Twilight Zone came came to be, let's not forget that Rod really was a household name in his own right and a preeminent playwright. Um, you know, of serious drama in in the mid fifties with things like Patterns and Requiem for a Heavyweight, he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote for live theatre. Um, you know, In fact, I think Patton's was the first time a play in American television history had such an amazing response to its first performance that it was performed live four or five days later again. Um, so he'd already achieved that status with Emmys and, and, uh, and all the accolades that go with it before he took the, uh, took a, a different direction and headed into it. Uh-huh. The but we, we were really keen to see, you know, how the writing would, would play live. And one of the things that Anne found quite early on is that possibly the quality of the writing, um, it's possibly the last time in the history of American television that the writing is so suited to the stage, just from the way that it was conceived and from the writers that conceived it. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, so yes, we've come up with something which um, I think hopefully respects the original writing. We've not just worked with, obviously, Rod's material um, through CBS, but we've also... Uh, one of the other things I wanted to do was make sure that a range of storytelling was was uh, presented. So uh, in that journey, um, we've become um, I've become good friends with um, R.C. Matheson, who's Richard Matheson's son and, and looks after the estate, and Chris Beaumont, who was um, Charles Beaumont's um, son, who looks after the estate for his father. They were they were also so we, we we've managed to, to access not just Rods but but their storytelling too, and that's represented in the show, and it's an yeah. amazing amazing amount of work uh, you you know that that deserves to be revisited in in every sense because genre is often underappreciated except by those people that really love it and yet um, all of their work uh, and I think that is happening now it's time for it to be uh be really really reconsidered as perhaps some of the greatest American writing and and there are signs that that's the Uh case it's it's the 60th anniversary of the show as I'm sure you know um, it's yeah. an exciting year uh, because obviously Jordan Peele's uh, new new series um, uh, will air on CBS All Access in on April first, and it's I think it's it's amazing that that this storytelling is hopefully going to attract a whole new audience, a whole new generation um, because it really deserves to.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that that I was quite interested about is you know obviously the Twilight Zone commented on a lot of things in its time and now we live in a time where there are a lot of things going on at the moment that Rod Serling would have certainly commented on if he were here was there any discussion on how much the stage show should or shouldn't comment on current world events because I think um, the section that deals with the shelter certainly goes there a bit doesn't it you know what, what was there any discussions around that kind of thing
1: well, it, it's funny because, um, you know, the development process of the show, uh, you know, just if, if you're going to do it properly, it's going to take time. And mm. as I discussed, the very first proper creative stage was when Richard and I met each other in New York and sat down and, and looked at episodes. And The Shelter was one of the first ones selected. And in fact, that was one of the ones on my initial um, uh, uh, wish list. Yeah. Because I felt, felt that it just was so powerful and resonated and just was so perfectly suited to the stage. Um you know, at the time that the Almeida, um, the, the initial run of the Almeida happened, um, you know, we didn't predict the way the world would turn. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, some people accused me of collaboration with North Korea uh, just to publicize the Twilight Zone by having a nuclear threat hangover. Our heads. But that, that wasn't really, that wasn't the intention. Uh, it was, um, yeah. it, 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 it I think the fascinating thing about the Twilight Zone is, is that it's so well written and it's about the human condition and it doesn't matter whether a 10 years or 20 years passes, um, it's relevance and poignancy um, because of just how wise and how literate the, 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 the writers were behind the show. I think that's the reason why it still holds when it, when it works at its best. And the fact that we've entered into this strange time where the term Twilight Zone gets used more often now than I think any other decade since the show first came to, to, to fruition. Um, yes, uh-huh. it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think, you know, Rod was looking at the fears and prejudices that sat at the time, you know, the show played at a time where the civil rights movement was, was happening, the Cold War, all, all of the, the, the sort of pressure cooker elements that were represented in, in, a, in a beautiful way, you know, by the original series. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think we are in a time of, of polarization of extremes of, of, of a different thought process encouraged by social media and how people, you know, are fed information and consider information and, and pass it on. Um, so I think yeah. it is a age. That's why I think it's such a great time for Jordan to to bring his take to this kind of storytelling, because because it's just it's the right time to do it. And, the, and there is a real value to it. Yeah. But yes, the, the, that's the satisfying thing, was that um, The Shelter, I think Anne's done a beautiful job. You know, it, it respects the original storytelling, but she it, she's managed to sort of uh, enhance it by uh-huh. you know, creating a sense of time travel. You, you, the, 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 on stage, that episode, as it plays, feels like it's very much starting in the age that it was written. But by the end of it, it, you, it feels as crisp and relevant and poignant as about the world we live in today, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's almost like you have a sense of time travel that you've, you've gone from 1961 to, to 2019, you know, in, in, in you know, less than 15 minutes. But yes, no, I think, I think that's spelled opportunity. I mean, as I say, it, it, the good thing about the evening, I think, is you get a mix. You get kind of what a lot of people expect from the show, which is, you know, maybe uh, some humorous stories with um, unusual characters in. Yeah. Uh, and I think what's amazing is The Shelter, which, again, not giving too much away, uh, occurs in the second act, uh, shows yet another dimension to what the Twilight Zone delivered and people don't expect it and the audience reaction and we had uh, people from all all backgrounds, all races, all religions, all you know nations we had lots of Americans coming in and it touched on a lot of trigger point issues that sit there today and yeah. uh, you know and and that there was a real charge delivered from from that episode uh, you know because of just how it just just touched the pressure points so beautifully. But, but again, credit goes back to the original writers. They they knew what they were doing. They had a smart way of doing it. Um, you know, Rod had got fed up with, um, you know, well, the the, the gold major television was passing. The 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 whole business was moving away from live plays, you know, and and heading into more pre-recorded uh, films, uh, you know, episodic television.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And and he'd experienced a lot of network in, interference in in his um, scripts in the late. Uh, 1950s and and he you know hats or to him had worked out that the best way to get his vision across his messages the things that he wanted to cover in his own way without interference was to do it in in a subversive form yeah and i think that that's that's kind of what we're doing with this to a degree in the you know theater is quite often a, a, a very traditional establishment where where you know certain critics will only accept a certain kind of writing which i think is Something that we're we're here to say no that's not you, you can't prejudge things you can't dismiss things just because they're genre or just because it doesn't quite fit with your view on on um on what a play should be and uh-huh. I think what we walked away with was just a, 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 a fantastic experience of seeing this great writing take uh the, the stage at the Almeida which is you know the home of Shakespeare of Tennessee Williams and you know to get Rod Serling Charles Beaumont Richard Batten's name up there. And in front of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to begin with, you know, the, the traditional made audience was wonderful. Really, really exciting.
0: If you can kind of separate your, yourself from it as someone who was who the driving force behind getting it made, when you first sit that, sat down to watch it in its completed form as a Twilight Zone fan, what is there anything in particular that really... You latched onto and said, "Wow, this really works." Whether it's a, a scene or a performance, you know your favourite thing about this show.
1: Well, I, I mentioned it before, but it was genuinely um, what the audience did, and mm. and we found the audience kind of reshaped. Uh, you know, some people came in and they're traditional Omega fans, and they were looking for something traditional. And it, it, you know, it, it's it, it may not have been their cup of tea, but what we found was that the the an audience found it we weren't we weren't sort of mass marketing we weren't pushing in a certain direction there wasn't a demographic uh it was word of mouth that led us to literally a sellout for the whole run uh, and audiences came one of the, the, the most interesting things was that 48 of the audience that came were first timers to the almeida which was i think a record it's an amazing result uh, a lot of people first time to theater um uh-huh. which which game we found very exciting and what i did i went to see at least six out of the eight performances a week um you know which <laughs> wow. i was fascinated at watching just as much the audience as the storytelling which of course i'd seen i would seen the see because you know that's the process of you read it you read it you read it you watch it you watch it you watch it you, watch it, you see it in development uh yeah my two my you know, one, there were th- three experiences that i found in watching the audience that that were amazing one was that um there's a, a circle at the almeida and i was sitting on on, a, 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 on one of the sides one evening watching how the audience responded and at one moment in the intense moments uh, because the kind of the, the, the circle the front of it's arched when uh-huh. something intense happened it was it was amazing because the audience all leant forward at the same time and of course you had the glow of the stage on their faces and it was like watching kids around a campfire yeah. and that, that to me was tremendously exciting to see that sort of level of engagement and wonder um, you know that then you kind of get the sense maybe we're doing something right um, my other other couple of experiences were um, I, uh, during one of the previews yeah, you know, because uh, the show is something that's enjoyed not just by you know genre fans and and who you'd expect to be enjoyed by as was the case with the original show uh-huh. uh, so we what we found was that it appealed to very young people and also older people as well for various different reasons again it comes down to the writing mm-hmm. but I was even I was leaving the theater during the interval Uh, during one of the previews and there was a girl who must have been about 13 or 14 with her parents either side of her yeah and she was shaking and um her mother turned around to her and said is everything okay do do you like the show and she was sort of shaking and trembling and she had her hands in the eyes and she was like thinking about it going i mean i mean it's 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 really scary but but it's brilliant but but it's it's scary (laughs) and and you just thought you know what this is this is what we set out to achieve it's the fact that cut away 60 years you can cut away black and white and you've delivered something that i would really hope uh that that she had you know that that's a connection experience that hopefully you know will encourage her to see more plays but also go back to the twilight zone and, and love that kind of storytelling if we've achieved that that's that's amazing another yeah. experience i had so i was sitting in the in, in the on a saturday night at the front row uh, of the circle and next to me were a couple and they must have been in their mid 80s and um and the gentleman sat next to me and i didn't declare who i was but he said um, oh we go to the theater a lot we love the theater we go to the barbican and the Royal shakespeare company <laughs> and did you see the last play here at the almedia it was called albion um it was wonderful and they even had an english country garden and i'm i'm sitting there and i'm thinking i'm toast I, you know, <laughs> this is, they, they bought tickets because they love the theater and they should do it's a great theater and um yeah and they've they they are they've come to a play that they would just not connect with and I thought I'm yeah. going to sit here and I'm going to hear them moaning all the way through but actually I was listening and I could tell he was really enjoying it and at the interval he turned around to me and he said that's wonderful do you know anything about the Twilight Zone and I said a little bit and <laughs> we were chatting and it was clear that he was really excited by it and he said "You know, I, 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 did I ever see the original show and I said well yeah, maybe not and gave him a little bit of background and then he turned yeah. to his wife who was a lovely, um, you know, smaller woman uh, next to him, and he said, "What did you think, darling?" And and she just, you know, <laughs> gave a wink, ring- a little kind of twinkly smile, and then she just put her thumbs up in the air like that, and you could tell, "Wow, that's <laughs> great! That's just really also shown that that you know, let's not get prejudiced about what this, who this story is relevant to, and say it's this demographic, it's this age group. It's that's just not the case. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if what we hope is if you come in and you're prepared to." Uh, to give it a chance and and hang up some of your sort of um, thoughts as to what you should be seeing at the theatre, uh, and and you you are going to go in with the, the, an open mind. Then I think we found that we 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 the audience experience was just very special, and and yeah. we very much hope that's going to be a case when we come into the West End too. It's very much about the audience.
0: Yeah, yeah. I won't ruin the ending, um, but I think as a Twilight Zone fan and, you know, doing this has afforded me lots of opportunities. I've spoken to Anne Serling. I've interviewed a lot of people like uh, Mark Zickrey and so on. Um, he's, a,
1: um, he's, a, he's a great guy.
0: Yeah, but w- one of the most sort of magical experiences for me as a Twilight Zone fan was, and like I said, I won't ruin what it is, but that ending moment was so inclusive of the audience you know to to actually feel like you were in the twilight zone because you've been invited in but and it's hard to describe it without ruining it for people and saying exactly what it was but I think you'll know what I mean that sort of closing um speech if you like
1: you know the n- without giving anything away um the narrations are you know were very much a part of of that, that original show uh, of, mm-hmm. of- of allowing the show to be presented in context and, and you know, obviously the great man himself is no longer with us. But, uh, it, you know, in some shape or form, we had to make sure that the narrations played an important part thematically through the show. And we think we found yeah. an innovative way of doing that. Um, uh, you know, it, it's there all the way through. But at the end, you know, there is a there is a, a powerful message to be delivered. Uh-huh. And um, and you know, we think it's we we hope it's a nice way for the audience to be sent home in the night. You know, there's 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 one thing I would say about the show, which is that you know, and this goes back to the original, which is that you know, people often term use the term horror, and and I find that fascinating because hmm. you know there are there are I don't think it is horror. I think that's that's you know too limiting a, a, a label. Yeah. If you were to look at if you were to say, is it you know scary? Is it horror? horror there's there's two kinds. I like could go boo to you right now, Tom, and you might jump. And you yeah. get a, a, a short burst of adrenaline, and go, well, that was fun. You know, it's a bit like a roller coaster ride, and, and you go, oh, I enjoyed that. And then five minutes later, you'd forget about it and go, what's next? And and, and the Twilight Zone wasn't about that. It was, it, 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 you know, Rod, Charles, you know, um, Richards, all George Clayton Johnson, all of them knew how to look at um, at the human condition, see what you were worried about, what you were concerned about, what was sitting below the surface of their audience. And then almost uh-huh. using keyhole surgery, they dig their scalpels in and twist. And and I think one of the things that we very much hope is that this isn't disposable entertainment. This is not something where you walk out and go, Great, you know, let's go and let's go and get a beer. Uh-huh. Although a lot of people did do that, good luck to them. <laughs> but what we hope happens is the next day you wake up and you go, What just happened? Uh what did I see? Wow, there was yeah. this there was that. I didn't expect that. And if you're still thinking about it, you know, a few days later. Um, then I think hopefully we have honoured um, and paid due service to the the, uh, the
0: original writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just one more question, if that's okay, Ron. I find myself in a rare position where the American audience are more jealous of us than we are of them because we've we've actually got something Twilight Zone related before them. Um, and I've had a million people e- emailing me wondering whether the show will ever go stateside can can you talk about that at all
1: i can we uh, we definitely uh, have the us in our uh, sites and uh, there are conversations we've been approached by a lot of people but there are conversations happening to make that work um, you know it, it, in a way it's true it's you, we live in a one click generation where uh, you know you get anything you want to uh, you just have to look on amazon or or one of the equivalent sites and and and, and it's yours and you uh-huh. get it now and i think there's something really quite interesting you know in in england um you know we've we've often had to wait for the 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 next best thing to come over from america and yeah uh and i i think actually it's a good thing that you know it, it, if we can create anticipation and hopefully deliver to the standard that, that's expected um i think that's a nice thing actually um yeah, and of course yeah. if people come we, we we've we've welcomed american audiences i think we'll have a lot more coming during the the west end run um, just because they're naturally attracted to it, and and I found that that was also exciting. I was I was concerned, you know, that because it's so close to uh, the American psyche, it's part of, of of growing up. You know that that when we we showed it to American audiences, that they would respond to it in the way you know that 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 that, that I hope they would. And I was talking to a lot of American uh, uh, member of the audience, uh, you know, from all walks of life, all disciplines um you know all across from from america that just happened to be in england and and caught it and said let's come along and have a look and the response was amazing Uh so i do i do very much have we have we as i said before we we within the agreement with cbs is that you know the 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 world including north america is is structured within that and yes uh when the time's right we definitely want to come to america and uh and bring bring the show over and hope that it gets you know it appreciated in the way that it's started been here with the omega run and that we very much hope will be the case at uh, the ambassadors theater um uh, you know we've we've made some changes to the show as well um things that we thought we could improve upon some things that we thought would be uh some new surprises for the audience so um really? hope that uh, you'll make the trek from liverpool to come down and see us
0: yeah, yeah, I'm um, I'm coming to the press night. Uh, oh, excellent! Uh, one of them, I think it's the eighth, is it or the ninth? I can't recall. I've got it on an email, but yeah, I'll be at that one. So I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, I think you've got my email details. Um, so let me just email me when you're coming, and uh, it'll be nice to meet you.
0: Excellent, thank you, Ron. It, it, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Well, Ron, I just want to say not only thank you for talking to me tonight, but you know, thank you, like I said, for bringing the Twilight Zone back to England. Really but also given everyone, you know, a new way to to love our favourite show. So thank you so much.
1: A pleasure. It's been real pleasure talking to you, and, um, and, and thank you.
0: What a lovely man, and what a great insight into how The Twilight Zone on stage came about. Now, as you heard Ron say there, if you did catch it last time, there are some new things this time around, so it'll be worth going to check it out again. But also, as I've said in the past, this is a Twilight Zone event in the UK, and those are extremely rare, so if you do get a chance to go, please don't pass up that opportunity. So this run begins on the 4th of March 2019, and I believe that it goes on until the 1st of June, and the tickets range from about £19.50 up to about £80, And I think preview tickets, if you get in early enough, are available at about 25 pounds. So if you get onto those websites and get in early, maybe you can get to one of those preview shows. So twilightzonestheplay.com is a good starting place, but shop around, you know, there's a lot of different vendors have tickets and maybe you can catch a deal. So my thanks again to Ron for taking time to come onto the show and share his insights. I will come back to the Twilight Zone on stage again after I've been to see the show. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye for now.